If you've been looking for someone that talks about youth sports in the DMV, from basketball to football, volleyball, soccer, lacrosse, baseball, and softball, you've found it. We are the authority. We are the authority. This is the AC Sports Report. There's a thriving community of youth sports in the DMV, and we cover it all. From interviews to game reports to player scouting, public and private schools, and we even cover the college recruiting process. This is the AC Sports Report, and here's your host, John Miller. Coach Berger, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm actually thrilled to be here, of course. Um, but yeah, what an awesome time we're going to have. So I know you through school, through my yes. children's school, and I know you work in the school. Are you in a position to tell me what school that is? I would love to tell you what school it is. Concordia Preparatory School, Towson, and Maryland. Towson, Maryland, good. And not only are you in the administration, but you also coach lacrosse, boys hey, lacrosse. Boys lacrosse, head varsity lacrosse coach there, and I run our middle school boys lacrosse program. Excellent, excellent. So I'm guessing you have a little experience. You've played some lacrosse in the past, or did they just throw a stick at you and say, have at it? Yeah, they just said, good luck, have fun, welcome to the team. <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've been blessed to be part of the lacrosse community uh, well over 20 years. And uh, I am giving back to a sport that's given so much to me, right? So uh, it's easy for me to show up and, and put a practice on or have a catch with a kid or even just a conversation about the game. It's awesome. part of me. Awesome. Yeah. So I know a little bit about you, but some of the people listening might not know okay. a little about you. So let's go back to high school. You played in high school? Played in high school. What? Give me the scouting report on Steve Berger. Okay, so the scouting report is going to be, you're not going to probably find me until at least the fourth or fifth midi down. Okay. Um, not necessarily because I was not talented or skilled, but we were, we were a talented team. I played at Mount St. Joseph High School. Uh, so that's a part of the A conference and the MIAA. So above the other names of, of schools out there in the in the A conference, you know we're battling, right? Um, yeah. But uh, so so matching up to those types of players. The next piece, though, that you're going to find is uh, I'm not a big guy. Okay. So you're going to probably see most likely a a, a short, uh, crafty, uh, water bug type player. Um, oh, oh, oh we talked about this before the show. You described shoulder. water bug. What is is that? What you're going chip on your shoulder? Is that a water bug? Yeah. Well, so uh, the chip on the shoulder could be really any in- insect, right? I think depends on the, the the nature of that insect. But the water bug would be somebody, as we all know, we're at a creek, and uh, you know we kind of see that little wrinkle in the water, but we don't necessarily see where it came from. So it's that quick uh, insect that can, at a, at a drop of a dime, change direction. Uh, is crafty maybe behind the scenes so you don't see them mate off ball movement um, and then uh, hungry to try to maybe attack when the opponent doesn't see it coming so you said something that I've heard some other coaches in the past too is off ball or moving or doing things without the ball a lot of times it's easy for kids to stay involved in the game or the play if they're a major part of the play but doing stuff to to get in the right position when you're not immediately into play or, or you don't have the ball. That's, I've heard that before from other coaches. It's a huge component for sports because you sometimes have a tendency to be a spectator. Um, you know, being that like position where what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? And if you are thinking that, then you're, you're not doing something right most of the time. So 
feet moving at all times or try to be in a, you know, kind of thinking two passes ahead or plays ahead. Um, and I always say the, the best thing to do anytime you're a defenseman or somebody who's guarding you just looks away, cut behind their head, right? And that just is immediately going to create you to move, which then will create that defenseman to, to probably open up or have to react. So Mount St. Joe, four years there, I guess? Four years. Graduated what? class of 2000. 2000. Yeah. What happened after high school? Headed off to a beautiful school in Chestertown, Maryland called Washington College. And it's a uh, small liberal arts school, very small from, I think, 1,200 kids is when I attended it. They might be a little bit larger now, but not too much. And, uh, yeah, I went to there. Well, obviously, get some good studies in, very strong school academically, uh, pursued sociology. But one of the motivators for me was to play college lacrosse, and I was given that opportunity to do that there. So Shoreman uh, is what we're known as the Washington College. Showman. I was going to ask what the mascot was. The the showman. Showman is what they <laughs> called them sometimes. Uh, and of course, being proper uh, shore women too. So we had uh, sports on both sides of the ball there. But yeah, it was Division three. So you know, not a com- complete grind. Um, and I knew that. And that was something also very important to me when I was looking at colleges. So had the balance, but also had an opportunity to play top ten Division three lacrosse and. Um, very successful just in terms of a team sport um, did a lot of great things there as a team um, and I'm blessed to be a part of that that program very good very good yeah. a- after college was has there been more lacrosse more lacrosse so let's, so let's roll so I went graduate assistant at Washington College to get my coaching belt going and um, that was really my official start in coaching career um, and that kept my stick in my hands I was also invited to participate in what was known as the MLL major league lacrosse combine which uh, really only about 50 to 100 players um, were selected across the Division One, Two, II, and Three ranks. Um, so I think there was about 80 to 100 guys that came and competed. Um, and they had a draft. And at that time, the MLL was still fairly new. Um, it was in about its fifth year or so, sixth, seventh, eighth year, something like that. Um, and I was drafted out of, uh, you know, an opportunity there just to show my own skills. And I was uh, last pick, last round, known as Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. As many other sports franchises call it. But, yeah, so, hey, I was picked. That's, you were picked. That was the most important piece. I love it. Yep. Um, lacrosse, you know, there then, obviously, I knew there was going to be something bigger. So playing professional lacrosse wasn't going to necessarily fit the bills, but it kept that – passion alive and kept that competitive nature alive right. so is lacrosse now that was a few years ago so yeah, lacrosse now isn't always paying the bills anyway i mean no i'm sure the checks the pay has improved or gone up but it's still not on par with football and basketball and even baseball no not playing professionally you can uh absolutely get involved in the sport in a variety of ways and be a prof- you know full-time but playing, um, there's only a, few, a handful, I would say, that can successfully do that. Yeah, so uh, balancing the job during the week and then being the you know, kind of road warrior on the weekends, um, flying you know, trains, planes, and automobiles. It was great. <laughs> Better not have a wife and kids. Um, well, no, I didn't at the time. <laughs> I didn't at the time. But, uh, but there were guys that did, and um, guys that you know, worked on uh, – a variety of jobs. I mean, you're talking about investment bankers, 
guys on Wall Street, right? Guys working in the government ranks, um, Secret Service. Um, there were guys obviously working in, in the lacrosse world, so they were coaching or so forth. But uh, but then normal real estate, you know, lawyers. Uh, so it was pretty cool. Um, kids coming to practices, that was always fun. Yeah, somebody's baby. Here, hold the baby. I got to go yeah, play. Real quick. I'm going in. Man up play real quick. I got to right. run. So now you're coaching at Concordia Prep. Coaching at Concordia Prep. How long Prep. you been there? This is my coming up on my fourth season. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Uh, you like it? I love it. It's a completely different uh, coaching ranks for me. Uh, so I've coached for many years, but uh, this opportunity is different in the realm of smaller school. Concordia Prep's a much smaller school in this private school competitive industry. Um, I came from a program at my alma mater at Mount St. Joe, uh, where we had three programs, uh, so a varsity of freshman team and a, and a JV, 90-plus players, uh, to now scale down to 30, right? Um, one team. Uh, it is growing, which is great, but I also know that I'm going to grow it to a point of sustainability um, and be good for the kids. So refresh my memory. How many mm -hmm. people, how many players on the field for each team during a lacrosse game? Each team has 10. So that's a keeper, goalkeeper, uh -huh. and nine players. Nine players. And uh, for, a, for a good, solid team with a lot of subs, how many kids do you want to bring to the field on any given day? Well, so in, on an average, I mean, having 30 on your roster is a good number because generally about only 20 will play in a game. The game's a fast-paced game. Yeah. Guys end up being on the field a good amount. You know, your defense and your attack tend to stay on the game a good chunk of that um, you know, 60 minutes or 48, whatever you're playing. And yeah, so the midfielders are the ones that you're generally subbing in and out. So, and those 10 kids that may not get playing time, do they get frustrated or do Oh, certainly. I mean, I think that's the balance of having a good expectation level with your kids, right? Letting them know what they need to do to get on the field initially before that season starts. Um, also identifying roles. Because sometimes you, you can identify a role for somebody and that they can understand how important that role is. So that may then allow them to feel part of the, the program more, even if they're not getting the 48 full minutes. Right. But, um, yeah, I always tell my players they determine the playing time, not me. Right. Um, so if you want more playing time, I can tell you what it is that you need to do or what as a team we're doing that maybe you're not doing as well. Right. But uh, they determine it, and I think nine times out of ten, once you put that out there, then you're going to, as a coach, have a little bit more better um, understanding of your players and even parents. Right. Oh, yeah. So, Managing expectations is a big deal. Big deal. So it's we're recording this in October. Right on. And lacrosse yeah. in Maryland is a spring sport. Spring sport. So the season starts in... Now. <laughs> that was my question. So if the kid is listening to this, the parent is listening to this, what should that uh, off-season lacrosse player be doing? Well, if he's not playing other sports, which I would greatly encourage, if you're not playing other sports um, and you're at a point where lacrosse is everything to you, um, maybe you have other hobbies that you enjoy doing, but uh, yeah, you should be right now um, starting to lift. Get yourself in a workout routine. You know, don't be intimidated by the weight room, but get yourself in some sort of workout regimen four or five days a week. You also need your stick in your hands, you know, so wall ball or getting out and throwing the catch with a friend or shooting on a goal, you know, just to get your stick fresh and your hands, you know, used to that hand-eye coordination that you need in our sport. So crucial. 
Uh, and then the last thing I think is just getting around the sport too, like whether it's watching film, watching games. Kids are really fortunate now with YouTube and other broadcasting systems that you could pull up any game at any hour, any minute, right? So seeing the game being played, I don't think many take advantage of that. So I would say those are some core pieces right now that I'm implementing with my guys. Um, so we just started our fall ball four days a week of working out. And then in a few weeks, we'll go Sunday skill sessions with an introduction to what's called now sixes. Um, so sixes is a international um, uh, addition to the sport of lacrosse. So the International Olympic Committee, and I'm not going to get this all right, so don't fact check me here. You may. <laughs> you may. I, I'm, I'm completely we, we okay will, with that. We will. But so sixes is introduced the International Olympic Committee, which is the IOC. Um, world Championships is formerly known as the competitive nature of the world lacrosse. Right, so every four years you have teams competing for a world championship. The IOC hopes to now bring this um, international lacrosse to the Olympic platform. And the way they wanna do it is through this game of called sixes. Uh, and so what it is, it's a much faster paced, uh, more of like a six on six or a three on three basketball. Right. Um, run and gun, very entertaining. Think of like- I've seen football sevens where it's almost all offense. Or, so or, or less offensive line, defensive line stuff, wide receivers, cornerbacks kind of thing. Less position-ish. Yeah. yeah, so um, we'll see. I don't know. There's been an Olympic game for well over 50 years played, and, and there's been a champion reigned. Right? Is there a different field size? Is it a smaller field? So the sixes would be much smaller. Um, the international field right now is just like a normal NCAA college or uh, professional field, 110 by 60. Whew. So um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm doing it because it is uh, – fast pace so it'll get them going get the cardio they like to play fast pace stuff so that's great um it also increases their touches right so the sticks the ball's going to move the sticks are going to go so that uh, fast pace will help hopefully help them very cool yeah. very cool so you sit in two two uh spaces you sit as a coach i do on the athletic side but you're also an administrator so there's always grades involved so we we've t we've talked about how that uh, athlete can get ready uh, mm -hmm. From an athletic standpoint, what what could they could be doing academically? Because they're student athletes. Uh, you don't want to get that messed up. <laughs> We're student athletes. Yeah. So uh, the eligibility portion is is crucial. Um, one, just to be eligible to participate. You know, so maintaining a GPA um, that that is also uh, maintaining specific grades and classes. So even if you are maintaining the GPA, but are slipping in a few classes below the threshold, then there's going to be stipulations of getting getting that participation. So the other thing to note is any college coach that's recruiting any student athlete, you know, they saw you on a field or they were referred to you by another coach. That's great. But their first question is generally around what is your GPA? How are your grades? do you have a aspiration career-wise, right? Because they want to make sure, one, they're going to get a kid that's going to play their part on the academic side. And then maybe also want to know, is this a fit for them at our school? Because, you know, who knows? They, they might not even offer that major. So don't want to waste somebody's time. Um, but, yeah, crucial that your grades um, and that you're doing the part in the classroom before you even get out to the field or court or – you know, whatever you're participating in. I liked, I liked uh, your analogy about a uh, water bug, how, you know, it's this running around doing all the things, maybe moving 
when off the ball, mm-hmm. you know, there's a third part to the student athlete thing. Yes, there's the academics. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's the athletics, mm-hmm. but there's also that third space. Okay. Um, I like to it, um, think about it. Uh, it's social media is doesn't really fit both of those spaces. Um, I guess it, the kids brand nowadays, right? Because every kid identifies themselves individually through these social media platforms. And it's uh, the brand of the of the individual now is such a higher profile because it's out there. Yeah. It's visible. So you're right. Uh, I think that's also, I guess, the character component, yeah. right? So that is a, a really positive world if used in a positive way. Yep. But it also could be a very dangerous and slippery slope to go down. Um, I, I educate my kids about the value of it, but I also kind of continue to encourage them to, to, to be mindful of what they're putting out there, even what they like or retweet. Um, it's it's a different world. It's kind of sure. that intangible thing that uh, you must have slash. But be careful with. Yeah. So I'd like to end this with. Uh, I'm going to trip you out with a question I didn't prepare you for. If you Wonderful. had any advice, okay, for the parent of a kid who's thinking about playing lacrosse in high school. Let's say mm-hmm. it's a, an eighth grader. Maybe they're not at Concordia Prep. I don't know why they would not be, but just say they're not at Concordia Prep. Sure. But they're an eighth grader. And they want to play high school lacrosse, hopefully at Concordia Prep, but maybe at St. Joe. Maybe. I mean, we maybe won't mention anywhere. any of those maybe, other places. Maybe in Texas. Or, what what or should that, it's, it's the beginning of their eighth grade year. What, what could that, should that kid be or that parent be reaching out to high school coaches? Do you want emails? Do other coaches want emails? How, how do you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think ultimately same thing when you're looking at colleges or, or really any opportunity, you're looking at the entire package. Um, so you want to first see, you know, is this a, a good school uh, for my son or daughter to look at? Um, it's always great to get a note that a, a specific prospective student or recruit is interested in your program and in your school. So yeah, being proactive, reaching out, doing some homework on, hey, what do they have to offer other than lacrosse? Right, because your kid's gonna want to do more than maybe just one thing. I hope, um, but uh, those are some good. At least get in there. Don't be uh, nervous to even express if you've never played the sport before. Um, it's always good to to kind of put out there that you know you're very interested in learning about it. Here is my here are my questions. What do I need to be prepared for if I'm gonna come to a program like yours? My expectations or my program is going to be run differently than the other 35 plus in this area right so trying to understand how coach Berger runs his versus all the other wonderful coaches in this dmv area coach Berger, thanks for being here <laughs> i love it absolutely thanks john see you. you've been listening to the ac sports report As you know, there's a massive scene of youth sports in the DMV, and it's our passion to cover it all. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.alstoncarlisle.com. Till next time, this has been the AC Sports Report.